Well, turn in your Bibles to Luke chapter 17. We're continuing, of course, our study of the Gospel of Luke. And Luke shows Jesus to be the perfect man. He's the Messiah. He's the Savior. He is the one who is the sacrifice and the substitute for the sins of the world. Now, he's completed his ministry in the northern part of Israel, which is around the Sea of Galilee. He's on his way to Jerusalem, which is the capital, the place of the temple and the place of sacrifice. Why is he going there? Well, it's to complete the work that the Father's given him to do. He's come to fulfill the will of the Father, and that is to die and rise again, to pay for sin and conquer death. As he nears Jerusalem, we've been seeing this over these last weeks. In fact, as you just start looking back a little bit in the in the, the Gospel of Luke, we see that Jesus has been teaching, been teaching a number of different subjects. He's taught about salvation. He's taught about discipleship. He's taught about stewardship. He's taught about life after death, all these different things. At the same time, he's been teaching different groups, sometimes the crowds as a whole. Sometimes he's taught the religious leaders. Sometimes he's taught his disciples. And even just a couple of weeks ago, he taught the apostles. Well, we ended last time with the Pharisees coming to him, and they were asking him a question. They were asking questions concerning the kingdom. In fact, they said this. They said, having been questioned by the Pharisees to when the kingdom of God was coming. That's verse 20. That's what they said. Well, when they asked that, we looked at it, and we realized that, that they're not asking to know. Because the Pharisees, they don't believe in Jesus as the Messiah or Savior. They're not worried about the kingdom. In fact, what they're really doing is making fun of him by saying, if you're the king, where's the kingdom? When's it going to come? Well, this morning, Jesus turns, and instead of talking to the Pharisees, he turns to his disciples, and he teaches them. He teaches them about his second coming and about the coming as the king and the kingdom. So, some questions. What is he talking about? What will it be like when Jesus comes to the earth as the king of kings and lord of lords? When will this be? Who's going to be there? What will happen when all of this comes about? There is so much that we can gain and so much that we want to see as we put together the truths concerning, and we say it in two different ways, the second coming of Christ and this coming as the king and how it all fits together. So may we learn from this and, and, and be ready to give an answer. Well, let me tell you something. In Revelation chapter 19, verse 11, Jesus Christ comes to the earth as the King of kings and the Lord of lords. In my Sunday school class, we've been looking at a study which we call the seven last things in the book of Revelation. The first of the seven last things is found in Revelation 19, verse 11. It's when the heavens open and Jesus comes in his power and majesty and glory and he comes to the earth as the, as the judge and as the king to rule as King of kings and Lord of lords. And he indeed is the king and the ruler. In Revelation chapters 19 and 20, Jesus comes and sets up a kingdom. And he comes to Jerusalem, he says, it's a kingdom that goes for a thousand years. We call this the millennial kingdom. He rules in righteousness and justice. Now this morning, as we continue in the Gospel of Luke, Jesus is going to teach about this second coming, about him coming as the king. We could raise some questions. When's this going to be? What will he do? How does all this fit together? Well, we want to know and to understand these great truths. Now, there are people who say, well, you can't really know all these kind of things, and, and so it's not even important to try to know. Just one day Jesus is coming, and that's all that matters. Well, that's not accurate. We can know. We can know the truth, and it is important that we know and understand these great truths. Why? Because it helps us put the Bible together. Number two, it helps us understand the end-time events. And number three, it helps us to be ready to teach others truths so that they can understand the Scripture. So it's very important that we understand how these things fit would pray and hope that we'd be excited as we see these truths as we're able to put them together. Now, let's begin. Jesus 
is about to Jerusalem. He's getting there. He's going to die and rise again, pay for sin. We call this really his first coming, where Jesus came to this earth. He was born in Bethlehem, became 12, you know, grew up 12 years old, then 30 years old, started his ministry for the last three, three and a half years. He's been doing his ministry. He has come to fulfill the will of the Father, and that is to be the Savior, to die on the cross to pay for sins. That's really his first coming. We'll talk more about it in a little bit. For the last few weeks, we've been seeing his teaching on all kinds of things. But this morning, the focus then shifts to the kingdom. He begins to go into details a little bit. In fact, we're only going to look at just the first four verses this morning, 22, 23, 24, 25. The whole rest of the passage fits together as well. We'll do that next week, and we'll see how that ties together because he's going to go into the details concerning his second coming and the kingdom. Now, we ended last time, and I said it a while ago, but we ended last time with the Pharisees asking him questions about the kingdom. But they're not really wanting to know. They're not saying, please tell us when the kingdom's going to come. They're basically saying, what about the kingdom? If you're the king, where's the kingdom? And we're going to see that Jesus is going to turn to his disciples. In fact, if you look at verse 22, it says, And he said to the disciples. And he's going to teach them about the second coming and the kingdom. Let me do this for you. I want you to see the whole passage. We're going to look at Luke 17, beginning at verse 22, and going through the end of the chapter, verse 37. Here's how it fits together. In verses 22, 23, and 24, we're going to see Christ's second coming will be seen. I mean, it's going to be obvious, and we'll talk more about that as we get into the passage. Then we're going to see Christ's rejection must come first. That's verse 25. That's what we're really going to hit on this morning. Beginning next week, we'll talk about what is the world like at Christ's second coming. And then there's at the very end, it talks about the ones who are taken and the ones who are left. In fact, it says something like this. It says there will be two women grinding at one place. One will be taken. One will be left. It says there will be two in one bed. One will be taken. One will be left. Two men will be in a field. One will be taken. One will be left. Who is that? The one's taken, who left? Who is that? How do we put that together? We won't really see that till next week, but we'll get into a little bit on that so you can see how it fits. Now notice, he's been talking to the Pharisees because they asked him the questions. He now turns to his disciples. Watch what he does. Look at verse 22. And he said to his disciples, The days will come when you will long to see one of the days of the Son of Man, and you will not see it. Now the disciples, as you remember, with those who not only believed in him, but they're following him around. He wants them to understand about the kingdom. The truth is, he doesn't care whether the Pharisees understand it or not. Because they don't believe in him. But he turns to the people who believe in him, and he says to them, The days will come when you will long to see one of the days of the Son of Man, and you will not see it. Now let me give you some background. At this time, people were beginning to wonder, is Jesus the Messiah? Some of his disciples, they said, you must be the king. They were actually thinking, maybe right now, he's going to set up the kingdom, that he's going to defeat the Romans, and he'll set up this earthly kingdom. Now, the truth is this. When Jesus Christ came this first time, he offered himself to the nation of Israel as the king. John the Baptist would say, there's Jesus. He is, repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. He'd talk about it. That meant the king was on the earth. Later when Jesus was there, he would talk about that sort of thing. In fact, last week at the very end, verse 21, he says, The kingdom of God is in your midst. He was saying to them that the king is here. Now here's what happened. Jesus came and basically to the nation of Israel said, I'm the Messiah, the the Savior, the King. He did all the prophecies. He did all the signs in Isaiah, Isaiah 35 and Isaiah 61, and they rejected him. John 1.11 says he came into his own people and his own did not receive him. So when Jesus Christ comes this first time, even though he offers himself as the king, they reject him. And with that in mind, he's going to tell them, you know, there's going to come a time when you're going to wish that I was the king. 
That's what this verse is talking about. We'll see the flow in just a second. He's going to say, you know, I'm going to die, pay for sin, rise again, go back to the Father. There's going to come a time when people are going to say, I wish Jesus was here as the King right now. Notice the verse. And he said to his disciples, the days will come when you will long to see one of the days of the Son of Man and you will not see him. The title Son of Man is the name of the King. It's found in the book of Daniel. He says, you would long to see me as the king, but you won't be able to see me because he's gone. Why? Because he died on the cross, paid for sin, was buried, rose again, sent him back to heaven. Now, there are going to be a time when some people would say, I wish Jesus was ruling now, even though they rejected him as a whole. Now, in able to put this together, for you to see this, there are three things I want you to think about. Three questions. How do the end time events fit together? Number two, what must happen first before Jesus comes to reign? So let me look at the first. How do the end time things fit together? I want you to see it. What must happen first before Jesus comes to reign? And then the third question is, who are the ones taken and the ones left? Which I read that while ago. Now we will get, we'll just barely, we'll get one and two this morning. And number three, we're going to just mention it and then we'll see how that fits next time. Jesus is teaching about the end times. Let's start with question number one. And that is, how do the end times fit together? Well, I want you to understand something. When you think of the comings of Christ, because you hear people say, first coming of Christ, second coming. There are actually two comings of Christ to the earth and one coming of Christ in the clouds. I want you to understand that. Two to the earth and one in the clouds. First of all, let's talk about the ones to the earth. The first coming that Jesus Christ came to the earth is when he came to die on the cross and pay for sin. He came and offered himself to Israel. They rejected him. He went to the cross. He died. He took our sins upon himself. He paid the penalty, was buried, and rose again, and then ascended back to the Father. That's coming to the earth. There's going to be a second time that he comes to this earth and he'll come as the King of kings and the Lord of lords. He will come and rule and reign in righteousness and justice. That's what he's talking about in this passage where they ask that question, where they say, when's the kingdom going to come? And he turns to his disciples to tease them. Now, there is another coming of Christ, but it is not to the earth. We don't call it first coming or second coming because the first coming to the earth, the second coming to the earth. There is another coming that Jesus comes in the clouds. He doesn't come to the earth and he takes us off the face of the earth. We call that the rapture. That's different. In this passage, Jesus is talking about his second coming. Now, let me, let me show you a chart. Right, there it is. Let's show you the chart. Here is the first coming. If you notice on this side, there's the cross. Jesus Christ came and he came to die. He, he offered himself as king. They rejected him, died on the cross, paid for sin, rose again, and ascended back into heaven. That's his first coming to the earth. There is a second coming of Jesus Christ to the earth. He comes as the King of kings and the Lord of lords. He comes to the earth and he rules for a thousand years. We call that the millennial kingdom. This is the part where they ask asking Jesus. And he says, you know, there's going to come a time when people wish I was ruling as the king. And he's going to talk about his second coming and the kingdom. Now notice... First coming, second coming. In between, because Jesus Christ has come the first time already. 2,000 years ago, died on the cross for us, paid for our sins, gives us eternal life. We know He's coming someday to the earth as the King. What the Bible also teaches all of us who know Christ as Savior, that in between these two comings, He's going to come in the clouds, which is called rapture. It comes from a Latin word, rapio, which means a snatching away. 
One of these days he's going to come. First Thessalonians says he'll come with a shout, the voice of the archangel, and the trump of God, and the dead in Christ will rise first. Those who've already died, their bodies will be raised. We will be changed. First Corinthians 15 says, in a moment, in a twinkling of an eye, we'll be changed. That's the rapture. Now, that's not what he's talking about in this passage. He's talking about the second coming. So I want you to understand the end time events, the first coming, the second coming, both to the earth, the rapture, which comes, which he comes in the cloud. So the next little statement I'll show you says, first coming, rejection, death and resurrection, second coming, he comes and rules as the king. And we want to put the chart back up for a second. I want you to notice that right before he comes the second time, there is a time on the earth called the tribulation. The church is gone. I want to comfort you. If you know Jesus Christ as Savior, you will never be in the tribulation. You'll be taken off the face of the earth at the rapture. There will be a time on the earth that lasts for seven years, which is called the tribulation. The last three and a half of the tribulation is called the great tribulation. There will be a man come to power, which we call him the Antichrist. He's called the man of sin, and he's a very powerful ruler. Toward the end of that, people are going to be saying the king is here and all of this, and they're going to be saying that the Messiah has come. The king has come. It'll happen toward the end. Now, here's what I want you to understand. There are going to be places where people would say, the Messiah is here. Come over here and look in this house. Or they may say, the Messiah is over here. Come out in the desert. I want you to understand something. When Jesus comes as the king, no one will have to point him out. You understand that when he comes, he comes in power and majesty and glory and every eye will see him. It's been about 20 years ago, full-page full page ad in USA Today. It said in big letters, about that big letters, the Christ is here now. That's what it said. Then it went in smaller writing, talked about how the king had come. He was on the earth. He would make himself known sometime that he, was, that he would probably put out another ad later. That's what it said. Now, I want you to know something. When Jesus comes, he's not going to put out an ad, okay? When he comes as the King of kings and the Lord of lords, he comes in power and majesty. So right before Jesus comes, people will be saying, he's over there or he's over there. Notice what Jesus says in verse 23 because that's what he's talking about. Look, he says, they will say to you, look there or look here. Do not go away and do not run after them. When Jesus comes, he will be clearly seen. You won't have to say, I think the king is over here. He just took out an ad in the paper. No, it won't be that way. Notice, when he comes, everyone will know it. Look at verse 24. For just like the lightning, when it flashes out of one part of the sky and shines to the other part of the sky, so will the Son of Man be in his day. He says, just like the lightning flashes out and goes right across the sky. Anybody goes, what in the world was that? That was huge. Everybody sees it. When Jesus comes, every eye will see him. When he comes, he's coming in power. And glory. Now, the first time he came, he was called the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. The second time he comes, he's called the Lion out of the tribe of Judah. He is coming to rule in majesty, in righteousness, and power. And don't forget that. He's coming in power. 
When Jesus comes that second time, everyone will know what he says. Just as the lightning, when it flashes from one part of the sky and shines to the other, so will the Son of Man be in his day, the day of his return. Now, I want you to see a couple of things that you're going to love. Look at this. Hold your place in Luke. Turn to Matthew chapter 24. So go ahead and turn to Matthew 24. And as you're turning there, Matthew 24 and 25 go together. In fact, go ahead. Matthew 24 verse 27 will be where you want to look at. But as you're turning there, the Gospel of Matthew and Mark and Luke all fit together. But the Gospel of Matthew has two chapters, Matthew 24 and 25, in which Jesus gives details about the tribulation and the kingdom and his second coming. The, his disciples, actually his apostles, basically got him off and said, What will it be like when you come? And Matthew 24 and 25 gives a lot of details about that. So if you want a lot of details, a lot more than the Gospel of Luke gives you, read Matthew chapter 24 and 25 because that deals with the tribulation and the second coming and the kingdom. Now I want you to see how Matthew, when, he, when Jesus talks, how he describes this. Now we just saw that in Luke he says, just like lightning flashes from one side of the sky all the way to the other, that's how it's going to be when he comes. Look at Matthew 24, look at verse 27. For just as the lightning comes from the east and flashes even to the west, so will be the coming of the Son of Man. Here he comes. It's, it's going to be just like the lightning will flash. No, everybody's going to see him. It's going to be so majestic and powerful when he comes. Look down, look at verse 30. And then the sign of the Son of Man will appear in the sky. And when all of the tribes of the earth will mourn, and they will see the Son of Man coming on the clouds of the sky with power and great glory. It says, and then the sign of the Son of Man will appear in the sky. What is the sign? We don't know. He didn't say. But it could be the flash, the, the, the glory and the brightness. Maybe it's like the lightning flashing across the sky. That may be the sign when he comes. It says, and then the sign of the Son of Man will appear in the sky. And all the tribes of the earth, that's all people, they will mourn. Why? Because they'll see the Son of Man coming on the clouds of the sky with great power and glory. And He will send forth His angels with a great trumpet and they'll gather together His elect from the four winds from one end of the sky to the other. He's coming back. And let me tell you something that people don't always realize. He's coming back to judge. He's coming back to set up a kingdom. He's coming back to rule. The first time he came and he offered himself as king, he offered, he asked, he said, I would like to be the king. And they rejected him. When he comes back the second time, he's not asking anybody. He's coming as the king. He's going to set up the kingdom. And all those who are the enemies will be put to death. He's coming as the lion out of the tribe of Judah. He came the first time as the lamb slain. He comes back the second time as the lion with power and glory. I want you to see something. This is so powerful. Turn to Revelation, the very back of your Bible, to Revelation chapter 19. I want you to see his coming. John sees this. This is John who's writing it. We'll talk about him in just a second as you get there. Revelation chapter 19 will start at verse 11. And while you're turning there, John who wrote this. Now, it's not John the Baptist. This is John the Apostle. This was the youngest of the twelve. This is the one that was closest to Jesus. This is the one who called himself the Apostle that Jesus loved. When he was an old man, he had already written the Gospel of John, 1 John, 2 John, 3 John. The Romans hated him. Uh, the, some of the Jews were persecuting him. He was Jewish himself. So they took him and they put him on an island 
called the island of Patmos, which is just off Turkey today, a little bitty island. And it was to, to, to strand him out there, and they figured he would die out there, and they figured he would leave, that he would, you know, they'd just leave him alone out there. While he was there, he said, one day on the Lord's day, which meant the first day of the week, on the Lord's day, he heard a voice behind him, and he turned around, and he saw Jesus Christ in all, in glory and power. And Jesus gave him and said, I want you to write down the things that have been, the things that are, and the things that will be. And he gave him information, which is the book of Revelation. This is what Jesus told John. And so as John saw these things, notice John sees the second coming of Jesus. Look what it says. Revelation 19, look at verse 11. And I saw heaven opened. And I saw a white horse, and he who sat on it is called Faithful and True, and in righteousness he judges and wages war. He saw the heavens open. He saw Jesus coming. This is the second coming. This is where Jesus is coming back to this earth. Notice he is called Faithful and True, because he is faithful and he's always true. Everything he does is right. And in righteousness, what does he do? He judges and wages war. People sometimes think about Jesus and they go, yeah, Jesus, the little baby born in Bethlehem. No, no, no. Okay, Jesus, the 12-year-old boy. No, no. Okay, Jesus, the sweet Jesus, age 30, starts his ministry, heals everybody. Just so sweet. He, he was. He's the greatest. But that's Jesus as the lamb. When he comes the second time, he's coming as the lion. And he's coming to rule in righteousness. Notice what it says. He judges and wages War, Because the enemy, the enemy has come to surround Jerusalem. At the very end of the tribulation, the enemies come to surround Jerusalem. And Jesus Christ comes back. And he comes, it says, his eyes are a flame of fire. Look at verse 12. His eyes are a flame of fire on his head are many diadems. And he has a name written on him which no one knows except himself. Now listen carefully. His eyes are a flame of fire, which means there's judgment. It says on his head are many diadems. There are two Greek words for crowns. There's a word Stephanos, which is the word that if you ran a race and you got a reward, and you remember they put that little crown on your head because you were the fastest runner. That's not the word used here. This is the Greek word diadem, which means a crown. It's what a king would wear. Now notice when he comes back, he doesn't have one crown on. Look what it says. And on his head are many diadems, many crowns, because he's the king of kings and the Lord of lords. Notice what else it says. He has a name written on him which no one knows except himself. And he's got a name which nobody knows. Now, I've read books where people are trying to tell us what they think that name is. Nobody knows. Don't try to figure it out. About the only time you're going to find out is you go up and go, what's the name? You know, when you talk to him. Because doesn't, he doesn't tell. Nobody knows except himself. It says he's clothed with a robe dipped in blood. Wow. And his name is called the Word of God. John 1, 1, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He is the Word of God. And notice verse 14. And the armies which are in heaven, clothed in fine linen, white and clean, were following him on white horses. Who could that be? It's us. Do you remember we're taken off the face of the earth in the rapture? Can, can we put the chart back up? Is it possible? If we can put it back up. Remember, this is us, we're the church, and Jesus Christ comes in the clouds, and we're taken off the face of the earth, and we're with Him, and the tribulation happens on the earth, and we're not there. And when He comes back on the second coming, which is Revelation 19, and the heavens open, and we are the ones coming with Him. Notice it says, and the armies which are in heaven are clothed in fine linen, white and clean, we're following Him on white horses. That's us coming back with Him. 
Notice verse 15. From his mouth comes a sharp sword so that with it he may strike down the nations. He will rule them with a rod of iron. He will tread the winepress of the fierce wrath of God the Almighty. Does that sound like a lion? Does that sound like a lamb to you? It sounds like a lion. And notice, and on his robe and on his thigh he has a name written, King of Kings and Lord of Lords. That's him coming. When people say, when's Jesus coming back? Well, sometimes people are confused because they're talking about Jesus coming back. They're talking about the rapture. It could happen at any second. There are no signs. When Jesus comes back as the king, it's at the end of the tribulation, and he's coming back to this earth. So I want you to understand First coming, he came to die and rise again to pay for sins. Second coming, he comes to rule in righteousness and justice. In between is that rapture. Now that takes us, and go ahead and turn back, go back to Luke chapter 17. For he says, just as the lightning, when it flashes from one part of the sky, shines to the other part of the sky, so will the Son of Man be in his day. That takes us to the second question. What must happen first before Jesus comes to reign. Well, he makes sure we understand it. Look at verse 25. But he, but first, he must suffer many things and be rejected by this generation. See, I want you to understand, before he's coming as the king, he's got to go to the cross. The cross must come before the crown. He must suffer and die before he comes to rule and reign. Notice what it says, and I think the little verse right there. He must suffer, verse 25, he must suffer many things. He's talking about his death. Talking about him going to the cross. He told his men, listen, they didn't grasp it all. He was walking with his men. He said, I'm going to Jerusalem. I'll be handed over to the, to, to the, to the Jews. They'll, they'll have a trial. They'll hand me over to the Romans. They will try me. They will beat me. I will go to the cross. They will kill me and I'll rise again. And you know what Peter said about that? He said, no, 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 no. We won't let that happen. He didn't grasp it. He didn't put it together. He said, I have to suffer. Even in the garden. You remember when they came to arrest him? And Peter pulled out the sword and cut off Malchus' ear. And then Jesus put it back on. And Jesus said, I could, could I not call all the angels I need? I've got to go to the cross and pay for sin. The cross must come before the crown. I want you to understand something. That this was foretold. Foretold in the Old Testament that there would be two main aspects of this Messiah. I want you to see this. That the Old Testament prophecies that they would, that he would be the suffering servant, the Lamb of God who would be sacrificed. That's Isaiah 53. He died as, as the Savior at the first coming. See, the Old Testament said there would be one coming as the Lamb of God who would take away the sin. Isaiah 53. There he is. That's first coming. The Old Testament also said that he would come as the King of Kings, the Lord of Lords. Zechariah talked about him coming to rule. He was coming as the Lion out of the tribe of Judah. That's when he comes as the King at the second coming. So the Old Testament prophecies, the one being the lamb was the first coming. The one being the lion was the second coming. The cross lamb must come before the ruling lion has to. So in Luke 17, Jesus teaches his disciples. Now, I've got one of the, as the lightning flashes, he's going he's gonna to do that. He's going to suffer, though. Now, before we get to that, there's one third question. Okay, last question. Who are the ones taken and who are the ones left? Now, if you've read this, oftentimes you've read this and you've probably thought of it incorrectly. Listen to this. Verse 34, I tell you, on that night there will be two in one bed. One will be taken, one will be left. 
There'll be two women grinding at the same place. One will be taken, one will be left. Verse 36 is not in all manuscripts, but it actually says two will be in the field. One will be taken, the other will be left. Who is the one taken? Who is the one left? Most people have taught this as rapture passage. When Jesus Christ comes, who's taken? We're taken off the face of the earth. This isn't the rapture passage. This is the second coming passage. And next week, when we study this, we'll talk about who are the ones taken and who are the ones left. We'll see how that fits together next time. What have we seen? Jesus tells them that one day... They'll wish that he was with them. They'll wish that he was the king. There'll be a time when many will be looking for the king. They'll be pointing him out. But he says, listen, when he comes, everybody will see him like the lightning flashes across the sky. But he must first die and rise again, his first coming, the cross, before he comes as the king at his second coming, the crown. Well, let me, let's, let's think about it. Let's get some applications. Understand the end time events. I would love for you to be able to put this together. Because a lot of people don't know it. In fact, most people don't know it. If you can understand the end time events, you've already put together the Bible a lot that most people have never done because they just say, oh, you can't know it. You can know it. A, understand the comings of Christ to the earth. Now, notice how I put that. Coming of Christ to the earth. The first thing is his first coming, he came, he was rejected, he died as the Savior, he came as the Lamb. So understand the first coming. Second, understand the second coming of Christ to the earth, where he comes to rule as the king, he's going to be the lion out of the tribe of Judah. Understand those comings. First coming to the earth, to die. Second coming to the earth, to reign. B, understand the rapture. Understand what that is. That's us. That's the believers now that Jesus is going to come in the clouds. He doesn't come to the earth. He comes in the clouds. And by the way, there are no signs. Just remember that. If somebody came to you and said, you know, the way things are looking, Jesus could come any minute. He could come any minute regardless of how things are looking. There aren't any signs for the rapture. Just remember that. And so understand that he could come get us any second, takes us off the face of the earth. Understand the end time events. Number two, thank God for the death and the resurrection of Jesus Christ at His first coming. Just realize that He came to die for us and to be our Savior. Thank you. Thank the Lord that He had to go to the cross first before the crown. That He came to die for us, pay for our sins, to give us eternal life. Now I want you to understand something. If you believe that Jesus Christ is your Savior, you will be raptured out, you will be in the kingdom forever and ever. Okay? If you do not believe that Jesus Christ is your Savior, you won't be raptured out, and you won't go into that kingdom, but you'll be separated. Now, my advice is that you would believe in Jesus Christ. If you've never trusted in Him, this morning, right where you're sitting, maybe you've never understood it. Jesus came, died on the cross, paid for sin, and rose again. That's His first coming as the Lamb of God to take away the sin. He died for you and for me. And if you will trust in Him and Him alone... Not your works, not your goodness, not going to church, not anything that you ever do or ever hope to do. If you will trust in Him and Him alone, He gives you eternal life. It's a gift. And I hope and pray that every one of you in this room, you have trusted in Christ. And you can say, thank you, Lord, for sending Jesus to die and rise again to give me eternal life. The third thing. Let's look forward to our time in the kingdom. I mean, Jesus is going to come get us. We're going to be with him. And then when he comes back to the earth as the king, we're coming with him. And we will rule with him and be with him. May we understand the end time events. May we thank our God for salvation, which is by faith alone in Jesus Christ alone. 
as we look forward to the time of Jesus as the King and we'd be with Him. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, what a passage. Thank you for these great truths. Help us to understand end-time events, Lord. Help us to understand the coming of Christ to the earth, His first coming to die, His second coming to reign. Help us to understand the rapture, which is in the clouds, which He doesn't come to the earth, which is in between. Lord, thank you that when Jesus came the first time, He died and rose again. He came as the Lamb of God. He came to, to, to go to the cross to suffer and die for us. Lord, we look forward to his second coming to this earth in which we'll be with him and we will rule with him. Thank you that he indeed is the King of kings and the Lord of lords. Lord, I pray we understand these things and we are ready to to tell others about these great truths. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.